Welcome to the Pastor's Porch, a place where pastors encourage one another, speak freely about the Word of God, and engage in real communal relationships with the body of Christ. Hey everybody, we want to welcome you to episode 9 of the Pastor's Porch. Today we are covering part 2 of Teaching Your Children the Things of God. Today we are going to give application um, and how we need to be teaching our children the things of God. And so today, Pastor Zach and I are going to use an acronym um, called TIME. And TIME, the T, is actually stands for TIME. Um, I is instructing in the Word. M is measuring, and E is encouragement and um, exhortation. And so we're going to go through uh, each one of these, and it's an acronym that uh, you can, um, as a parent, um, as someone teaching children, as a brother, as a sister, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, doesn't matter, you can use this acronym for yourself as you think of instructing children in the things of God. And so we're going to get started today with um, this acronym TIME with TIME. Well, this is uh, probably the easiest one and the hardest one at the same time because uh, this really boils down to relationship. And not that picture-perfect relationship that you see in the social media post where the family is all groomed and everyone's in their Sunday best and everyone looks real nice. But this is real life relationship. This is creating time. As a matter of fact, in my notes, that's what I have written next to the word time is create time, intentionality. Um, We, in the aspect of this podcast, are talking about children and our children specifically. But really, you could take this to any relationship. Uh, Anybody you're trying to help with the Word of God or anybody you're trying to create a bond with in the things of God, you're going to have to be intentional about this one thing. And that is creating time with them. Not time staring at the cell phone, not time around the whole world, not time built around food or not time built around uh, the things of the world, but creating time to engage them spiritually. Yeah. And I think in our culture, we have done a good job at letting the kids run the culture, not run, run, uh, letting our kids dictate the culture, letting our kids determine based on their lives, whether it's ball or whether it's uh, things in the school. And, and I don't know how anyone else feels or what anyone else looks at, but I can only look at my own life with my four children. And I can say that most nights from three o'clock on my life is revolving around my children's activities. They like ball. They like uh, community stuff. They like um, school stuff and cheer and gymnastics and baseball. And, um, and that's not on the nights we have church and those are all fun and those are all fine. But as the parent, we must make a decision that we are going to carve out time to prepare our children, time to instruct our children, which is what we'll talk about in just a minute, but set up the time. I I think it's interesting if we ask parents, and again, I only know this small window that I know 
from the community that I live in, the church that I pastor, uh, my own home life, and the people that I'm around. But if we sincerely asked an anonymous question to parents of how much time a week did we create spiritually for our children to grow, I believe it would be very likely that less than one hour a week. Now, I'm not including the church. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about on Wednesday night church service. I'm sure. not talking about Sunday night church service. I'm not talking about Sunday morning church. I'm talking about us as a parent specifically creating a time for our kids. Um, just to, again, the small sample that I know, I would find it very likely that it would be less than one hour a week that we give to our kids spiritually. Yeah, I would venture to say you're probably absolutely right. Um, and one thing that comes to mind when I think about this, because I've been guilty of this in my own life, is um, the the good old saying, we don't have time to do that. We don't have time yeah. for this. We don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, there's 86,400 seconds in a day. Mm. Never changes. Yeah. There's 24 hours in one day. Yeah. 60 minutes in one hour. None of that is ever going to change. It's mm. not. Uh, we're not adding hours to the day and taking hours away. We're not adding seconds to a day, taking seconds away. And so it's, it's not so much, I don't have time for that. It's, it's much more, um, switching your priorities around. Right. And I understand, trust me, I understand with the busyness, especially of your life, the busyness of my life, there are some times where things come up that we can't necessarily Mm -hmm. control and Mm -hmm. things that, um, we don't have a necessarily set schedule some things throughout right. a, a, a daily basis. Right. Um, but it doesn't give us the excuse to say, well, we don't have time for that. Right. It doesn't give us the right to make that excuse that we don't have time for right. that. Um, and I've heard this analogy many times before in, in different parts and aspects of life. But take that 86400 and imagine this money. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you have. I'm. If I gave you eighty six thousand four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. would you be upset if I took a hundred dollars from you? Yeah, probably not. Probably not, right? Because yeah. now you've got eighty six thousand three hundred. Right. right. So why do we get so upset when a hundred seconds goes away? Sure. Right. It's almost sure. two minutes right. of time. Why? Why? And I say all this to to say, we we are measuring time in a sense. Um, that doesn't matter when there's so much other things we can focus on throughout the day. And we spend most of our time being upset at other things rather than prioritizing that time to spend in the Word and spend in prayer. Um, And so, yeah, it's a simple concept to talk about, but it's the application of it that we have to be better um, about. And I think, um, just just a personal thought of mine, I, I think the, the God I serve and how I know Jesus in my relationship is that when we purposely carve out this time, He's going to use it much better than we could have ever used it on our own. Yeah. Um, and so it is important that you, you take time out to spend with your kids in the Word, um, in worship, yeah. in prayer. And, and we're going to talk about some of those different things today on the application side of things. But, um, and we kind of talked about it last week is it doesn't necessarily matter how you are teaching them something of God. It just matters that you are spending time 
teaching them something of God. And that can be, hey, let's take, let's do a minute prayer. Mm-hmm. Let's take five minutes to sing a worship song together. Yeah. No. Or if you have a lot of that time and you prioritize it, hey, we're going to do a 20-minute Bible study. Yeah. Any of those things, and, and there's much more than just that, is, is important um, to spending time with your kids in the Word. I think it's vital. I think I think so. There's a balance with time, and especially when you talk about creating time, right? Um, if you're not careful, you can say at 7:05 every night we read the Bible, and at 7:15 we're done reading the Bible, and at 7:15 to 7:20 we uh, do prayer, and and then if some reason you miss that, you fall into this trap of condemnation, yeah. right? So I think creating time isn't as hard as what we make it out to be. I think Correct. it's utilizing the time God has given us wisely. And uh, think about when you're staring at your cell phone, pull up a verse and talk to your kid as opposed to watching another TikTok video, right? Like like pull up, uh, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and pull a verse. And so I think it's it's, there's a balance. I think we should set aside time where we teach our kids to pray. And we say, hey, in the evening we pray together or hey before bed we pray together right i don't sure. think there's a there's not wrong in that but if that becomes the uh, goal is just to set that 10 minutes aside i think you've missed, missed the point the, yeah, yeah i think you've missed the point and i think creating the time is taking advantage of the time that you have you know there's a friend of mine ron used to say i can't do anything with the time you don't have some of you dads, some of you moms have kids that are working in the evenings, right? They're they're gone now and they're old enough to have jobs and they're playing three different sports and they got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you're like, I haven't seen them. Where are they at, right? Um, well, what if you took five minutes in the morning to just pray with them about those things? Our kids are more absent now, right? Our kids are the, the, the old way of living on the family farm and doing the things... Uh, maybe that we dream of sometimes are not the popular thing in the day and age we live in. It's a constant go, right? The whole yeah. world's turning into New York city or Las Vegas. It never sleeps. We're, we're staying on, on ministry things. I mean, I mean, there's people that reach out to us 24 hours a day, you know, and that's not necessarily a negative thing, but we're, we're Correct. expected to be accessible 24 hours a day. Social media never turns off uh, your messenger. I mean, like, you know, I mean, maybe too transparent. I turned off the messenger on my Facebook page because people were sending me messages at midnight and one o'clock in the morning and these sorts of things. You say, well, you could just, uh, you could just turn it to silent or something like that. Yeah, I could. But you know, when you provide a means for way people communicate with you, you don't have to be on call 24 hour a day through social media. Um, and so that, that's what I would encourage is maybe it's not so much about setting aside the time, which is important. And I don't want to downplay that but rather take advantage of the time that you do have. And then when you take that time, now's where the second part comes in, which is what do you do in that time? Well, you instruct them in the word and in the ways of God. So the Bible is clear that one generation, we're in Psalms 145 of this verse, uh, one generation will declare the things of God or the mighty acts of God or the, the uh, grand splendor of who the Lord is in the word to another. Yeah. 
We're mandated by God to tell our children the things that God has done. And I think we often forget how simple that can be because we don't think there's a value in our testimony. I promise you, listen to me, there's a value in the testimonies and the things of God in your life right now that your kids need to know. For some of us, this was a deliverance of maybe drugs or alcohol or these things that society views as big. Um, but for some of us, it's just the faithfulness of God to help pay the water bill, right? Maybe it's the faithfulness of God to help provide groceries. Maybe, you know, all of us have different measures of things God is doing in our life. But if we remain silent, our kids are going to miss out on the blessing. Correct. And it is us who have the opportunity to steward these young minds, these young hearts, and to grow them in the things of God. And to me, it's just vital that if I can teach my son to hit a curveball and I can't teach him the word of God, I'm failing. Sure. I mean, that's just the truth. I'm failing as a father if my son can hit a curveball, but he can't tell me things about God that I've shared with him or word that I've given him or wisdom that I've imparted into him. If, I, if, if I've made sure that he knows the score of that baseball game last night, but I've never taken the time to open the word of God with him, um, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. And, and I want to make sure that, you know, you can teach your kids to change a flat tire and you can teach them to change the oil in the car and you can teach them to wash dishes and you can teach them to take out the trash. And there's, there's godliness and servanthood and all of that. I mean, I think you can find it if you look hard enough um, and there's obedience and there's things that are valuable there. But if you can't sit down with your kids, no matter their age, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, even at, you know, a year or two old, you can start showing and teaching mm -hmm. them the things of God. Your babies are watching you. Yeah, they are. You know, it was one of the first things I saw with your daughter that I was impressed with um, several months ago was I watched her raise her hand in worship. And at that time, I don't believe she was a year old. Mm -hmm. I don't believe I don't believe she was a year old, but yet she knew when the song came on on the little box she was carrying around that she would raise her hands and she would lift her hands to God. Well, I'm thinking at the time she was probably nine, 10 months old. I mean, she was very young, very young. And to see her at that age be able to praise the Lord and know, uh, it just blessed me because that's learned behavior, right? Our kids do what we do. Yep. They do. And, Man, with the instruction side of things, coming from a teacher background for um, myself, is I think we try to overplay instructing with the Word of God. Right. Yeah. Like we, we make it to where it has to be some deep theological thought for something to get across right. to right. our kids. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to just tell you, yeah, there are times where sure. deep theological thoughts are important. But then there are times where you make a Bible verse fun and exciting. It's going to mean the world to the kid. Mm -hmm. um, and not even just to a kid, to a teenager. Yeah. Uh, I can remember I went to a Bible college, and I can remember um, in one of my Old Testament classes, uh, we had to memorize the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to memorize them in chronological order with spelling and mm -hmm. all of the above. Mm -hmm. um, and... Some people can think of that and be like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. 
guess what I did? I went and found a YouTube video in my dorm room and sang a song to it so that I would help me remember there you it. Go. Yeah. Right, and it was something that was just fun for me. Mm-hmm. It was fun and exciting, and the, there's psychological things that go in in part of that. But my point in in this is um, make these make the passages of scripture fun and exciting for your kids. Mm-hmm. When they're doing something fun and exciting around the house, find a way to right. um, incorporate scriptures into that. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, I wasn't at home, but just this is an example that I can think of. Um, my wife and my daughter were outside playing in the water, playing in the pool. It was a hot day, mm-hmm. so they were enjoying. Mm-hmm. There is That's a perfect opportunity how nice this water is, how refreshing it is. Mm-hmm. Baby girl, this is exactly how Jesus is to us. Mm-hmm. He is the refreshing living water that we mm-hmm. get on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. That is 10 seconds. Right. That's it. Right. That's it. And so, um, and people think that's silliness, but guess what? Next time we go out to the pool, we remind and say it again, hey, Jesus is the refreshing water. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Now that they win, those those kids and those children are a part of the pool. That's something that they mm-hmm. get in their mind, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. they are refreshed mm-hmm. that Jesus is their living water. And so that's, that's just the simple illustration um, that we can use but when it comes to the instruction side sometimes we we try to place ourselves on a pedestal of instructing the way of God of that it has to be something deep something theological every time right Um, I don't know about you guys but when I open this word even if God does not impart some supernatural wisdom into me I've gotten everything I need just reading Mm -hmm. the verse yeah. And and so that's when it comes to the instructing side of things. Make it fun, make it exciting. Don't make it something don't over pressure, don't give yourself so much pressure into it when you are trying to instructing these things. I'm gonna read something out of Deuteronomy six that I think is goes along with this and Deuteronomy six, uh, verse five. Um, six, and I'm gonna read a couple of verses. It says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Listen to this next part. Thou shalt teach these words diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when you sit in thine house. Mm -hmm. Doesn't say you have to sit down and have a 30 minute Mm -hmm. discussion. Just talk about them when you're sitting in your house. And when thou walk, by the way, so there. When you're sitting or when you're walking, mm-hmm. and when you when you lie down and when you rise up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon the hand, and thou shalt be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And to me, this is just saying the commandments of loving the Lord. Mm-hmm. Teach them in every part of the life that mm-hmm. you're in with your children, yeah. and um, I say with that too on the instruction side, man. The internet is a great resource that you can use for that. And so don't just think as a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle, whoever, when you're teaching these children, that it has to be some supernatural wisdom that you're imparting to them. Just teach them the scriptures. The simpleness Mm -hmm. of things is is important. Yeah. I think, and, and I don't know if I read those verses last week on the podcast or just in my own study time, but I did read those last week. And I was thinking about those too, and, and those verses in Deuteronomy are so powerful. I listened to a, a pastor's son, uh, I think it was John Bevere's son, 
said one time on this podcast I was listening to, and he said, Dad, I was grateful that even though we would start these Bible studies of seven days in Joshua or, or 30 days in the New Testament or all these, he said, Dad, he said, and he's talking to his dad. Now, as a pastor with two sons and uh, four kids, this made me think, uh, was just amazing. He said, Dad, I'm thankful that all those Bible studies we started, and he said, we'd get four or five days in, and then we'd miss a day. He said, we'd get, you know, 10 days in, and then we'd miss a day or whatever. He said, and he said, all that was wonderful. He said, Dad, but every time you sat at the supper table, he said, you would talk to me about the things of God. And he said, you never held back the things of God from me. And he said, even though we would start these prayer journals and we'd get a month in and then we'd, you know, life would happen and we'd get busy and we'd miss a couple weeks or whatever. He said, he said, I know you probably felt like you didn't accomplish everything you wanted to. Now, this was like a 25 year old kid talking to his dad. He said, but I want you to know that you lived out the gospel in front of me by every day sharing what Jesus was doing in your life and in the life of the church. Now I'm watching this on a podcast and I'm like crying. Okay. And of course they're both kind of being emotional and I'm like, this is intense, but you know, it, my kids are at this age now where my three older ones, especially they want to question everything. And I don't think it's disrespect. I think it's, they're at that age where that foundation, they're really all fixing to take off into their teenage yeah. years. Right? There's a difference in questioning and asking right. a question. Right. Right. Yeah. And so they're, they're, whether we're watching a movie whether we're playing ball in the backyard, whether we're just sitting hanging out, everything has got their attention um, more so than it has in years past. Whether it's ball, whether it's movies, whatever it is. Well, you know these remote controls come with a pause button, and I have found that these movies they get into these there's these earthquakes happen in the movie or there's something happening in the movie, and this is the question they want: Dad, is this real? Is this true? And a lot of these movies are these uh, action movies or whatever. It gives us an opportunity to talk about the things of God. Um, Ball is the same way. I can't tell you how many times that basketball will dribble, 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 pause. You're not shooting. Let's talk for a minute, right? Or we're at the batting cage and we're talking about focusing on the ball. And then all of a sudden we're talking about focusing on the Lord. Yeah. Last night when we left our workout, our verse was, 1 Timothy 4 and 8, I think is what it is. And 1 Timothy 4 and 8 was our verse when we left the workout last night. And it, and it says, bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise in the present life and in the life to come. Well, anybody with teenage sons um, that enjoy athletics uh, should hear this. Yep. Because our kids, I mean, my kids work out more in a week than I did in a few years when I was a kid, you know, there, it's just the culture we're in the workout, the go, 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 go ball, ball, ball. And I was sharing this verse with them when we left our workout last night. And just that's that simple thing in the dollar general parking lot. We weren't sitting at a desk. I didn't even have my Bible with me. I had my cell phone. We weren't sitting there for a 45 minute Bible study. We were sitting in the parking lot at dollar general. And the Holy Spirit said, I told you earlier to share that verse with your sons. I want you to share it with them. And so I opened up my Bible app and I shared that verse with them. And the whole way home, which was just five minutes, we talked about the difference of working out physically mm-hmm. and godliness. Yeah. And and 
I don't think in that moment they need me to be a theologian. I don't think they need me to explain the Greek. I don't think they need me to explain the Hebrew context. I don't think they need any of that. I think they need me to look at them in the face and tell them that, son, picking up that barbell over there, that dumbbell over there, or running that mile is great. But the things of God bless you in this life and in the life to come. Yeah. Well, to a 13-year-old and 11-year-old, that's life-changing. Correct. That, that is a life-changing verse to understand that. And uh, so I, I just encourage you, don't put the pressure on yourself that you have to have a, a degree in eschatology to even begin to speak <laughs> to your kids. Yeah. Just open your mouth and yeah. pour it out, baby. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Yeah. And then after that, you know, you're spending time and in instructing um, one thing that I think we look around today that we struggle with, because I know I've struggled with it before, is the M, which is measuring um, their success and application. And I think of look around everything else that's a part of the world, mm-hmm. um, jobs, education, um, athletics. There's a measure of success that happens in all of those. Um, you know, you want a promotion at your job, they're going to look at the measure of what you're, the right. success you're doing. Right. Um, athletics, you look at the measure of success by wins and losses, sure. athletic abilities yeah. of what they've accomplished and things. Um, and I think there's importance to that, but I think there's also importance in, in measuring our children's understanding, um, not necessarily success, but understanding measuring their their retention and application of things of the word of god yeah um and so one thing that i think about man memory verses Mm -hmm. they've been a part um psalm Mm -hmm. says you know we want to um make a the word a lamp to our feet uh, Mm -hmm. a light into our path and we want to hide the word in our heart and i think that is is important as as measuring the the retention and application of things that we give our kids, um, and I think you know, a prime example of of what you just gave is I think you know, um, just to give a, an example to start off with this measuring is that a couple weeks down the line you can ask them, hey, yeah, we talked about mm-hmm. the importance of working out body, but right, what what was the second part that we talked about that was important? Mm-hmm. And it gives them an opportunity. It gives you opportunity to, to to measure their understanding of things that you've talked about. Um, and I think this is important as a parent. Um, you know, when you take your kids to the doctors, they're measuring their height, they're measuring their weight, they're measuring how well they are growing. We need to do that in terms of spiritualness with our kids. We need to measure their growth. Yeah. Um, and so I say all that to say, um, Zach, what, what do you think as, as a parent that has um, been raising your kids for several years and as a pastor, what is some words of wisdom you could give to how do you think are some application sides of things that we can measure for um, the spiritual growth within our kids? Well, I think, I think every kid is different, you know, much like every person is different. Um, one kid's growth will be another kid's normal, right? You know, and, and, and so I think what you do is you set the stage by the first two, right? You the time and the instruction. And if you give the time and the instruction, the measurement that you see is going to be successful. 
if you give the first two of these, and this is why it's in the order, this is why I think the Holy Spirit laid it out this way, is if you give the time, make the time. You give the instruction, what happens? You're a baseball coach. You know what's going to happen. You're mm-hmm. going to see growth, right? You're going to see improvement. Um, and and let me let me give this before we go maybe the application. Uh, how, how do I say it? One of the greatest failures of the modern church is that we've convinced people the need to say a prayer and we've never measured to see where they went from there. Mm. It's true. And in the day and age of altar calls or, or church growth conferences and all this, like we've, we've measured the wrong thing. We've measured the number of butts in a seat to supposed to mean spirituality. And that's just not the case. And, and I would, as someone who has pastored for several years now, I, I like to think I have some of it figured out, but I certainly don't have it all figured out when it comes to this. We so often think our kids are in Christ, so they're just fine. Mm. And we forget how to do a checkup, how to do a check-in. You know, some of those things you talked about, right? Some of the things you talked about of, of how they're seen at the doctor's office. Well, how I measure my children's spiritual walk is, or anybody's for that matter, is conversation. I not, Obviously, I see signs of things. Sometimes they're troubling things. Sometimes they're good things. Sometimes they're great things. Um, but what I have found for my four children, and specifically my older three, my youngest is still yet harder to have these deep spiritual talks but the older three for sure is one I've got to be alone with them that just has to happen um, because I've got to look them in the eyes and I've got to talk to them about things that they don't always enjoy talking about how is your peace well go ask a 13 year old boy how their peace is when their friends <laughs> are around right well, good dad leave me alone you know and sure. like, you know but then but then at the right time, Again, back to the first one, when no one else is around and you have the word of God and you're talking about the things of God, then you can look at them and say, son, tell me about your peace, you know, and you'll know real quick where they're at. But I think we're so fast paced. We want to see our kids profess with raising their hand in church and then we move away from it and then we don't ever go back and look. In baseball, we have these things called batting averages, right? And we have these things that, that show us what percentage of the time we're successful. So sometimes that's easy. Well, baseball is a game of failure. Well, guess what? Life at their age, at 13, yeah. at 11, yeah. game of failure, right? That's why we're there. I want to measure their growth based off how they're responding to that failure rather than them being me. Yeah. And this is something I've had to tell myself. If you're another pastor, listen to this. I hope you hear what I'm fixing to say. Your kids aren't pastors. Your kids are not pastors. I, I know they may love God, and I know they want to follow God, and I know they, they're a follower of Jesus, and praise God for that. But you, at this point in their life, the Lord has not put the same anointing, calling, and shepherding skills on them that he has on you. And I had to I had to literally fall on my face before God because I realized I was trying to treat, at that time, my 10, 11-year-old son to the same standard that I was trying to hold myself to. That was just foolishness and ignorance on my end. But as I've watched him grow, as I've watched them grow, 
as I begin to watch them, how do I measure is I listen to the words that they say. But I don't listen to the words that they say in front of their friends, although that is certainly valuable sometimes because you hear them witnessing and things like this. But I listen to what they say when they're alone with me. I listen to the heart behind their speech. Yeah. I listen to um, and watch their body. I watch how they respond to the things of God. I watch how eager my five-year-old and my seven-year-old daughter will pull their Bibles out at just a blink of an eye. They want to hear more about the things of God. That's healthy, you know. Um, when I do a study with the boys, the girls will run to want to be a part of that. Uh, even my littlest one, she's had, she's she's got Psalm 23 down, right? And so she will run to be that or John 3, 16 and 17. She, she, she knows those. She doesn't understand as much as maybe my older sons do. But I watch how they respond. I listen to how they respond. And I hear the words that they say. And uh, if we don't do the first two, we'll never be able to measure. Yeah. Because we'll look at the wrong thing. Correct. Your children's social media. I mean, I don't even think our kids should be on social media. That's another conversation for another day. But your children's social media and their, their phone. I mean, I pick up my kid's phone every day. Every day I read every text message my kids send. My boys share a cell phone. For, for their athletics in their school and they got to ride the bus away and go do things. And so I think they're too young for a phone. So most days it's locked up in my bedroom. <laughs> but I read their cell phone every day. I'm looking for godly things or ungodly things. And um, I'm not, and you can say, well, that's being a helicopter parent. Yeah, well, they're 13 and 11 and I'm going to hover right over them until I can train them up in the godliness in the ways that the Lord wants. Um and so I think that is the measurement, right? Yeah. The measurement is being present. Yes. You know? That's I mean, a that's a key is being invested yeah. into the life. And you're absolutely right. Without time and instruction, you can't even have the measurement. And so that's why it's in the order that it is. Um, and I'll say this, and then we'll move on to our last one today. One of the, the looking back, obviously, I didn't think about this when I was growing up and uh, being discipled by my parents and everything. But looking back, um, I can be appreciative of some of the ways that they measured my growth. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was during times where they would ask me to pray over a meal, um, or ask me to read a Bible verse I had been studying. And it wasn't always that way. Obviously they may have asked me, Hey, will you pray tonight? And I'm no, I don't want to, you know, different things like that. Cause we all have growth at different times and stuff. Uh, but that is one thing that I look back and I am thankful that they allowed me um, the things that they took time to teach mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and measured me by. They allowed me to apply it for my own self. Yes. And so I think that's important um, as we are thinking about talking about teaching our children the things of God. And as we measure what they know, uh, measure it by asking them to present a word, measure it by asking them to say a prayer. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great application that we can see because um, there's sometimes where you'll ask kids to do something, they don't want to do it. Yeah. They don't feel time is right and they don't feel equipped for those things at those times. And you know what? That's okay. But totally. Keep asking to see the measure and the growth from that. And I think that leads into our last one of our academic time today is the encouragement and the exhortation mm-hmm. is when you do spend time, you do instruct, and then you measure and see their growth. 
encourage them in that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest things is um, encourage, if they say, Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. Yeah. Hey, great job. Yeah. Great prayer. Thank you for praying over the food for us. And just yeah. that, that encouragement that is, is necessary. Um, and people don't realize how much just a positive word, a positive yeah. thought, a positive action, and that encouragement, mm-hmm. um, it, it goes forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember um, when I would teach math um, the last couple of years, I opened the year up um, with the same conversation mm-hmm. is I wanted to be positive within the school system. I wanted to be positive with my my students in my classroom mm-hmm. um, because they got a, they get a lot of negativity in every other aspect of their life. And so conversation that I always had with them and I challenged them to within my classroom is we don't use the word don't. Mm-hmm. We use the word do. Mm-hmm. And I always found a way to be positive within something within the classroom. Mm-hmm. And you would be amazed at saying, hey, don't write this mm-hmm. instead of saying that. Because what are they now focusing on, the negative side of things? I would say, hey, do this instead. Mm-hmm. And you'd be amazed at just that little encouragement, mm-hmm. just that little positivity of what it would shift mm-hmm. in a student's mind. Yeah. Um, even to the point one time, I don't, even, I don't remember the exact scenario, but I remember one of my students saying something negative and I shifted it obviously to think about positive and a couple of people in the classroom was like only you Mr. Bowerman could take something that yeah. and make it something of positive and encouraging yeah. and that sparked something in me that realized even those little things they pay attention to because guess what they thought about that and now that shifted their focus right so I say all that to bring it full circle to encouragement of the spiritual side of things. When we are negative towards our kids and them doing something wrong spiritually, Mm. they hold on to that and think about that. Sure. Whether we want them to think they will or not, that's exactly what it is. Right. And so we have to be um, persistent. We have to be focused on the encouraging and exhorting one another in the word uh, so that that's something our kids can focus on rather than all the negative side of things. Well, and yeah, you're a thousand percent right. And that exa- that is the exact thought I was having behind um, this as, as I was thinking on it. Um, if you took, let's say, now obviously we're going to go to a little older kid uh, let's say the average 11, 12-year-old to 22-year-old. Those 10 years, um, do you believe that that most of their interactions are positive or negative? Negative, 1,000%. I've been there and it's even worse. Yeah. It's even, I went through it as a kid. Right. And now as an adult looking, it's even worse than... Right. When we were kids yes. going through it. So so most of the news that they hear is negative. Certainly the social, political mess in this nation right now, negative. Um, 
what sells on social media, negative, most often. Interactions with people at school are not always positive. Lots of bullying, things like this. Not every person who is an adult in a place of instruction is like what you just explained. Um, lots of negative from people in leadership. And let's just be honest, lots of negative in the home. Um, lots of things going on in the home. Lots of things going on in the home that shouldn't be. Lots of things going on and lots of conversations happening in front of children that shouldn't be. And so if we said the average 12 to 22 year old or the average 10 to 20 year old, or you know, once you get above that six, seven, eight year old range, you're gonna step into a very real world. I'm gonna tell you, middle school hits you like a linebacker. It just does. I went through watching my boys do it, and it and it got rough for them. Uh, and I don't remember it being like that when I was a kid. The world is more negative now than it's ever been. And this is why I believe with all my heart, we were driving home late last night. And I told my kids, each one of them, I said, all four of you, when we get home, you got to shower, you got to do it. You know, I start telling them all the list of things we're going to do. I said, but I want each one of you to pick up your Bible. I want you to open the Bible to the book of Psalm. I want you to read 23 in verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And of course, I didn't tell them the verse. I said, I just want you to go take Psalm 23 and just read verse number one tonight. And um, why did I do that? Negative is around. I want them to every day have an encouraging time in God and also be exhorted by me as their daddy, but also by me as their pastor, by me as their uh, father, by me as their friend, by me as their person that's in the house with them because they get so much negative yeah, beaming down on them. Um, and I've seen it firsthand in my own children. I've watched them walk through seasons where... I honestly would weep at night watching what my kids went through. And I can tell you this. I know how much time people spend on their cell phones. I've studied it, used it in sermons, different things like that. Social media, cell phones, these sorts of things. Why can we not take a few minutes a day to sit with our children and tell them how much we love them to encourage them in the things of God, to encourage them in the things that we've been through and encourage them that they can get through and encourage them in the study, in the relationship with Jesus and exhort them. I have, um, I have listened to people talk about how their dad was a pastor and could save the whole world but couldn't save them. You know, I've listened to people talk about I've been begging my dad. I've heard this out of kids' mouths. Listen to what I'm telling you. I've been begging my parent for, you know, months to do this one thing. And this is what I would encourage all of us as we as we kind of prepare to move on from here as we will in a few minutes. Um, whatever is stopping you from making time for your children and your family, uh, you better take it to the throne room of heaven and you better pray about it. Because I promise you, your children are desperate for your attention. Your children are desperate for instruction in the Word of God. And your children are desperate to know that they have a mother and a father who care for them and love them and will exhort them in the Word of God. Um, 
And I'm convinced that we are either a part of healing our children or wounding them. Mm -hmm. Because the world is going to wound them. Correct. I want to be the part that's healing my kids. Absolutely. And so that's absolutely that's that's my that's my thing on exhortation and encouragement is I want to be the part that's healing my children. Absolutely. And I'm gonna I'm gonna close this out with first Thessalonians five eleven. I'm gonna read it out of the Amplified. It says, Therefore encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Mm-hmm. And this is an important passage of scripture that we need to take to heart is the importance of building each other up. And so um, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, anybody that teaches children or is in a role of discipling someone, um, you need to listen to this and make sure that you are being the encouragement that they need, that you are building one another up. Um, And I think back to the commandment that Jesus left us, um, loving one another is one of the greatest commandments, having a love um, for one another. And loving one another means encouraging one another, means lifting them up. And so we urge you, um, to do that today, um, and to remember this acronym TIME. Time, instruction, measuring, and encouragement. And so as you teach your children and teach children um, about the things of God, um, may you take time out, may you instruct them, may you not forget to measure their, their retention and application of the Word and spiritual things, and ultimately, may you be the encouraging factor that they need in the Word of God as you instruct them. Thank you for taking time out to listen to the Pastor's Porch today. We love each and every one of you. God bless and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Pastor's Porch. If you don't have a church home, come join us at Unity Covenant Church in West Fork, Arkansas. We would love to have you. Thank you for your continual support to this podcast. Please stay tuned for more episodes. Have a great day and God bless.